Hey everyone, and welcome out to episode 218 of The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky. I'm your host with the most, Nick Nitro. And before we get to a little bit about tonight's episode, uh, some big shout out to our sponsors. These guys keep the show going. Uh, first up, uh, scope out tons of reviews, watch your favorite television shows online, and much more with our amazing sponsor, The TV King. You can check out that website at thetvking.com. Again, the website is thetvking.com. You can get reviews from your favorite television shows, find out how to legally watch shows, whether it be through iTunes or streaming. And they uh, they have updates on and other news about television shows. Matter of fact, I that's how I found out about the new show Broadchurch, uh, starring uh, Doctor Who's David Tennant, which is a phenomenal show. So these guys, this is the this is the poop, this is the scoop, this is what you need. So check it out. It's thetvking.com. You can also check out the TV King's realm on Twitter. It's twitter.com forward slash the TV King or at symbol the TV King. Um, you can also check out our uh, sponsor, Pack Rat Comics. Uh, Pack Rat Comics is a fun, family-friendly comic shop located in the heart of Old Hilliard in Columbus, Ohio, with a wide selection of new and old comics, graphic novels, T-shirts, action figures, statues, and years of experience and a love of comics. Pack Rat is your local family comic shop providing for all your comic needs. Scope them online. Uh, or via our show notes, it's packratcomics.com. And last but not least, this episode of The Good, The Bad, and Geeky is also sponsored by audible.com. With over 100,000 titles to choose from, sign up and get a free audiobook and a 14-day free trial by going to audibletrial.com forward slash goodbadgeeky. Matter of fact, I just uh, downloaded uh, On Writing by Stephen King, so I'm really excited to look into that. So that's uh, audibletrial.com forward slash goodbadgeeky. 14-day free trial, over 100,000 titles. With all that out of the way, we have a very special guest on the episode tonight, and uh, for those listening on TalkSuperStation.com, who usually get the episode first before everyone else, I do apologize. This is this is a bit late, but um, you can't – some things sometimes pop up in real life you have no, no control over, so uh, this is coming a little late to you guys, but it's a fun one. We have Chris Morgan from Existential Parachute Pants, a 90s pop culture podcast and uh, he also used to do Cheers. He's been on the show before, and I've been on his show a few times. And uh, as always, you can guarantee yourself some talk about Futurama and The Simpsons. But we also talk about some other stuff, like Saved by the Bell. So here's episode 218 of The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky, entitled Caffeine Pills, with Chris Morgan. Warning! The podcast you're about to hear is very filthy. We say naughty words you would use as an adult anyway. It'll cause you not to eat your vegetables, and your mom generally thinks it's a bad idea. Any moment of the show that has any similarity to the history of any person living or dead, real or fictional, to real events are entirely unintentional and coincidental. Unless we're specifically noted, otherwise, in the cast and crew credits, all celebrity voices are impersonated, and new celebrity has ignored any aspect of the show. Parachute Pants podcast, uh, which is your new, is that your new thing? Are you still doing Cheers, or? Uh, no, I'm not doing uh, that any longer. Uh, Jeff got too busy, so I moved on to a different project. That's, yeah, that's, I, and I'm not going to lie, I've not got a chance to listen to it just yet, 
but I've, I have read your blog, though, because I, I can do things in passing a, l- a little bit. Uh, like, the uh, some of the blog posts, though, are just, like, the flying offsides, the, the one about... Uh, well, actually, I... I, I the one about Ben Folds was I was I was a little more like oh man I don't know how I feel about that because you're you're making fun of a song that's making fun of abortion <laughs> yeah and so I was like well yeah I'll let that go I'll let that go that's <laughs> yeah you know, trying to find like um comedic voice so that's like sort of out of a different comedic voice because like it's like I was really like ironically like i was not like aware what the song was actually about like i thought the song was actually about a brick so that was more about a joke about like how dumb i was like like the person running that like was being but since i read it in my own like voice it's like well sometimes i'll be writing like as though i'm an idiot and sometimes i'll be writing like actually as myself but i'm just you know right now i'm still figuring things out no i thought it was that was funny but but see you're you're also talking to the ben folds fan of me that was Mm -hmm. that that's that's it was like a war within myself of that's actually pretty funny. And then the other part of me was like, but it's a song about abortion. It's a song that Ben worked really hard for. And actually, the, the chorus, though, which, which is what you're referencing, was even written by Ben. It was by the bass player or something like that within the band. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so I just, I, yeah. I, but some of the other stuff, though, I, I really, uh, uh, you know, like kicking tires, laying fires, uh, slide doors, all that stuff. It's, it's pretty funny. Um, and you can uh, check that out at supertotallyawesome.com, uh, which, what is that, I guess, would be my would be my next question. Like, how do you guys get involved with that group of those guys? Well, um, supertotallyawesome.com is a sort of blog, not blog, a, a podcast network. I'm the only one who does any sort of regular like blogging and writing on that. Um, but it's, it's mostly a, a podcasting network. There's... Um, uh, the, I first found the bottom through the. There's a they have a podcast called um, Gizmonic Institute's Radio, um, which is a Mystery Science Theater 3000 podcast, where they go. Each episode is dedicated to an episode of uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, the uh, television show, and um, like. Um, so I, I first found out about about that podcast, and then I had those guys. Um, on as guests on my old uh, podcast, Cheers. Um, I had the two guys who do that, um, who are uh, Jeff and Seth. They were on um, together on that one, and they were both on separately on different episodes because I just thought they were like really funny guys and good guests when they were on Cheers the first time. And then, uh, so when I need to start, when I'm looking to start a new pro- uh, podcast project, I wanted to actually have like a, a place for it on the internet as opposed to Cheers, which was this sort of ethereal thing that didn't have any sort of internet home or anything like that. Whereas like here, it's, I'm on a, like a network with other people with, whose podcasts I like. Like there's, you know, a couple of video game podcasts, there's a bad movie podcast and a podcast in Mystery Science Theater 3000. And so the longest running show is this podcast called Terrible Friends. And uh, which is just more like the traditional, like, like friends getting together and like bullshitting sort of a podcast. Um, but uh, so then I like, so I contacted them. I was like, I got this idea for a podcast um, about 90s pop culture. And I just was like, you know, can I put it on this website? And they're like, sure. And then I contacted uh, Seth Macy from the Mr. Chester 3000 podcast. He's like, hey. Uh, you want to do this with me? I'd only talked to him like twice in my life before, and there were both times was on my podcast. He's like, sure, and so we, we just you know went from there. And I was like, all right, this is this is the thing I'm doing now. It's existential parachute pants, which 
is sort of the blog slash podcast, but the podcast is technically existential parachute pants colon a nineties pop culture podcast. That's uh so my my question on on that would be where is he at in relation to you? Because you're still on, you're still on the on the uh, West Coast. Yes. So is he on the East Coast or? He lives in Maine, so he cannot be more to the East Coast. Wow, I mean, yeah, that's pretty fucking East Coast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Florida and Maine—they're the two, you know, high points of uh, of you know. Yeah, we couldn't really be farther away if I moved to Hawaii or something like that. Uh, well, yeah, I mean. Jesus, that, I mean that—that's still pretty awesome. Do you guys usually record them in the evening, or, or? It, we we record them in the evening on the East Coast, you know, because like he, uh, well, I mean, out here being a, a creative type, he is, you know, a man with you know like a, a job and a, a wife and a family, so it's like got to record more on like when he's available, when he's you know able to sit down and record, which is usually in the evenings, uh, you know, uh, his time. I understand how difficult it is for for uh, is it Seth, right? Yes. Yeah, for Seth to and he has he has a family. He has his own nine to five. I I completely completely sympathize with that kind of and it's awesome though that he still does that because right now my problem is trying to find the time. Like I I didn't respond back to to your email saying hey what's up for like probably a few weeks just because I saw the email immediately. And then I was like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta respond back to Chris. And then it was, Oh my God. A few weeks later, I was like, Oh my God, I haven't responded back to Chris and this person and this person and this person. And then I sit down, I do this massive email, like write out. And then you don't hear me from me again for a few days or two or four to a week. So I, I feel like this giant jackass who's losing complete control of, of time and space it's just it, it's it's absolutely bizarre. I don't understand. Like I don't know. Maybe it's world's smallest violence fucking playing for me somewhere. But I <laughs> I don't know. But uh, well, one of the things that you're really uh, into, uh, we're both really into, is Futurama. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, last week's episode, uh, I, the title escapes me at the moment, but that was the one dealing with Fry in his own dreams. Correct. I think that was two weeks ago now. Now I'm trying to recall last week's episode, but I may just be... I feel like last week something was going on with Bender, but I may be all... Uh, no, wasn't last week the one that was sort of like the Thing parody? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that was last week. I'm sorry. Last week, yeah, it was so, yeah, it was two weeks ago. Um, I I actually enjoyed the... I would say this season or this last final, final, again, final, again, knowing our luck, it will probably be picked up by Netflix or something because uh, Futurama just can't die, which I'm very happy about. But uh, uh, the last, I would say this whole last half of the season has been pretty, I would say pretty consistent. You know, um, is it as good as probably some of the more classic episodes? Uh, I don't know about that, but it's been, it's been good level of, of, of quality, which is usually Futurama usually always delivers on in its own way. It's kind of like 30 rock or at least the first, I think 15 seasons of the Simpsons, uh, which is even the worst episode is better than half the shit on television. Um, uh, I'm very, very strong in that belief that Futurama is that same vein. And the last two episodes, especially though, I I've really enjoyed. Um, but uh, where do you rank, especially the mom episode? Cause I, I'm one of the fans that digs the whole emotional, stuff with fry um mm-hmm. i mean i 
I placed that up there. And, and actually, uh, did you notice that Futurama had a marathon on? I was actually going to bring that up to you when yeah, when you brought Futurama. The, uh, the, they had the fan-voted top ten episodes on Sunday. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. And almost was, every one was one. They of were the, the the emotional ones, and they were the like the really heady sci-fi ones, like the parallel universe one, and like the t- time traveling ones. Yeah, right. And, and some of those time traveling ones are tied into the whole lore of the emotional, like the the one where they can only they the professor builds a forward time machine. That's mm-hmm. sort of a very fry heavy, uh, fry emotional based episode. Um, and yeah, like they did the. It's it's their Halloween episode, but it's not their Halloween episode. Uh, it's the one where they did the eight bit, uh, the anime. Mm-hmm, yeah, that was on there too. Um, There's only two ones from the uh, Comedy Central run where the uh, one. So I found it kind of interesting that the one where they did the three different sort of stories, uh, one made the top ten, and that was the one that made it, as opposed to one of the maybe the earlier anthology of interests or what have you. But yeah, well, I guess, uh, no, go ahead. I, I say maybe it's because like. Again, with the sort of the sci-fi thing, the sort of when you look at all the other episodes that were chosen, that's the one that like has, you know, the pays homage to like a bit of video games and it pays homage to like uh, sort of uh, Japanese anime, and I guess maybe that's probably more um, in line with what the audience of the uh, you know the Futurama is interested in. Perhaps why that one was chosen. Like, maybe people just really enjoy a bit animation. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I love that show. It show just. It, it tickles me to no end, and uh, the whole thing where Fry and Bender kill the salesman <laughs> was because you're sitting there questioning, going, "Is this like a dream? This has to be a dream. Someone's dream. Maybe they're still stuck in Fry that machine in Fry's head. I you don't know. You know what I mean? And then oh nope, they're back in reality. This is it's either that it's a dream. Or no, they really just murdered that guy because it's it, the guy was telling the truth, and it ended up they brutally murdered the guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the because obviously it couldn't be what it seemed like was happening, like um, with people being you know eaten and killed by some sort of alien creature. It had to be not that because they couldn't have um, characters dying, like um, knowing like the show would be ending, so they couldn't just have characters dying. Um, as opposed to like the like the sting, which is semi similar in terms of like where it seems like Fry has died, and uh, oh, yeah. and that was at a time when like the show was like only airing periodically, and like also I was like younger, so when I was watching that initially, I thought like, is are they airing the series finale right now? Like, what's going on with this episode? Oh, but, see, but, to be. Well, see, I caught on to Futurama right as the show was ending. Um, actually, the show already had ended, and. I remember my one friend was obsessed with they're going to air the final episode. They're going to air the final episode. And I'm like, see, it didn't look that good. I was, you know, I was being a, a hoity toity asshole. And, uh, cause I feel like in my older age, I've gotten a little judgmental of shows. Like I see one, like at the time I remember I saw a picture of the show and I was like, they can't be better than the Simpsons. I'm not going to watch that. It looks, they're trying too hard and I'm not going to watch it. And then, uh, and I left Futurama. I left Futurama B. I didn't give it a shot. Nothing. And then my friend forced me to watch the pilot episode, and I was like, "This is really, this is really good." Damn it! I'm the reason why the show didn't get get last longer. And then, and then ever since then, I've followed the show religiously through Cartoon Network to Comedy Central, the movies, you name it. I've 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 tried to follow it as much as I can. But um, yeah, I, I Devils. Hands or idle playthings was, I think, the big thing when I was starting to about ready to 
watch it was what it was. But that dude, that sucks, man. That that was the. Oh, I mean, it, it turned, I mean, that's a really good, interesting episode. It was just like because because Futurama's run on TV, like you know, we're watching it up where it was really treated uh, semi shabbily by um like Fox because this was when um. Fox's like Sunday night programming, their their like cartoon. It wasn't all cartoons at the time, but like their programming like on Sunday night comedy started at seven PM, which is when they had Futurama on. And which meant about during football season, about seventy five percent of the time, like it would run football would run late and then they'd end up cutting off like they'd join the episode of Futurama in progress. Yeah. And and then, like, they started, like, airing episodes, like, sporadically, and, like, we did, they didn't know what it was going to end or not. Like, they didn't know, like, was the end of the season going to be the last episode? And, uh, at, at, like, at the time, like, uh, I was, like, you know, you weren't sure, like, what was what, and, like, episodes were aired out of order, I'm pretty sure, as well. So, like, for all, you know, I knew at the time, it was, like, is this the last episode? And of course, it ended up, you know, Fry comes back sort of then it turns out that it was all a coma uh, fantasy of Leo's but you know at the time it was like it had a different feel to me than like that episode of the thing parody because it's like one they wouldn't kill off characters like this even like Futurama can be sort of like um you know, dark or what have you, and have sort of a uh, a, a sort of gallows sense of humor, but they weren't going to you know kill off major cast members by having them being eaten by some sort of alien like in these uh, super penultimate episode. Yeah. Uh, but so it was like you're just waiting to see what the twist is going to be, which is a funny twist, and it did end with a bit of dark gallows humor with Fry and you know Bender, you know, murdering that guy because, <laughs> but, but but not unreasonably based on everything they had gone through. I mean, that was a. Sure, no, totally. If I, if, I mean, if I was them and I didn't know, I mean, I would have done the same thing or I don't know if I would have kept shooting the bit of dust. That I think, and again, that was played up for laughs. Uh, but uh, no, I, I think I would in the same same instance do the same thing that they did in that regard. Um, I, uh, well, something though that we did talk about, you mentioned a few times though, is that they wouldn't kill anybody on the show. And and I've caught this, and and here's the reason why I wasn't sure what they were doing on the show. I knew the fact that they couldn't kill Professor Farnsworth, but if you notice, they killed a lot of side characters on the show this season, especially. They've killed Calculon, they've killed Roberto, um, and these seem to be, for the most part, permanent deaths. Um, Calculon, now nah, maybe not so much, um, but he died again, so it was I. I what, do you feel that's them trying to find ways to keep the ca- other cast members around, but maybe pay them less so they can keep them on the show and keep the show affordable? Or do you just feel like they think they have nothing to do more with those characters, so they write them out in their own way? Or, or why do you think that might be? Because it feels like that's very – it's starting to be very common now. Little side characters that are, are favorites. I think that the, the chicken lawyer, uh, Space Chicken, died too. Uh, I might be mistaken on that, but it, it seemed to hint that he might have died in the process. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, it could be partially like something like where it's a, a one-off joke. I mean, like on The Simpsons, Hans Molman has been in situations where he would have slash, you know, did in a sense like die many times over, but he's always come back. And sometimes like they're just, you know, in a mad-graining comedy universe, they're willing to just do things for a joke that isn't, Abundantly clear, but it's partially, I think, it's just like they have storylines, they have ideas for jokes or storylines, they want to do things and, you know, 
Calculon is only around every once in a while in the season. They only have a few episodes left. They, they might as well. I mean, they killed him off and brought him back once, and then they were able to turn that into a sort of humorous um, set piece, and then they, you know, kill him off again because they weren't going to have him show up again, I'm sure, and they, they figured they might as well, you know, um, you know, kill him for a, a joke, which is a sort of in the future, again, the future, in the future, I'm a sense of humor. I just think it's just like they are, they know that they're probably going to end. And if they do have some sort of future, because, you know, David X Cohen and Matt Grading have been completely given up on the show, having a future. Um, if they end up elsewhere, they can always bring the characters back somehow. I mean, they've already brought back, you know, Calcium from the dead once, and I'm sure they could figure out a way to bring like human beings from the back from the dead too. It's a science fiction cartoon comedy show that you know takes place you know in the year three thousand or so. So I mean, they can get away with um, whatever they really want to, uh, pretty much. I mean, if people are, have watched the show through time travel and parallel universes and going into people's dreams and stuff that, I mean, I, I don't think they would mind somebody being resurrected after being killed if they, you know, so, I mean, it's just, they're telling stories, they have jokes, and they, with the end game in sight, they have the leeway to do things that perhaps they would not do otherwise, because in terms of, like, you know, actors and voices and what have you, I mean, these are all people who, like, do multiple voices for the show, like, I mean, Calculon's voiced by Maurice LaMarche, who does a bunch of other voices on the show, like Roberto's Dave Herman, who does other voices on the show, although he does a, a lot fewer voices, like, and, like, he's more of an occasional uh, appearance, but, I mean, that's, like, really easy to bring somebody in for, it's not really an issue, and they probably already slotted all the budget aside in any way, so it's not really uh, relevant. I just, they're just telling jokes, and some of those jokes involve characters dying. Okay, because I, I, I mean, I remember that was a big thing when the show, uh, there for a bit with County Central was they were not going to pay the actors, um, mm-hmm. and they were going to they were trying to they were thought about recasting. They maybe thought you know or just not bringing the show back. There was a multiple two to reasons, and it was sort of released that the actors all get paid for how many roles they do on the show. And I guess that was what I was thinking of the reason why you know it would possibly show like that. At least that was my in my mind. Um, because I know for a fact, like especially Roberto, he's Dave Herman. Um, Dave Herman hasn't done a lot of voice on the show lately, or the side voices. It's usually at this point now pretty much Billy West, John, Maggio, or Maurice uh, for the most part, or even th- um, in film Lamar too. Um, and same thing with some of the other uh, female characters. Uh, Tress McNeil isn't usually in the episodes as much as she was. It's kind of like Dave Herman. She It's now mostly with Amy and... Uh, or actually, uh, oh shit! What's the actress's name who plays Amy? Um, um oh, brain's going s- dead. Something, no. Julie. Long? No, because 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 Laura Tom. Laura Tom. There we go. Well, yeah, Lauren Tom is totally like a Julie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the thing is, is that we're thinking of probably uh, Mrs. Wong. Well, I was. I was thinking of Mrs. Wong. When I said that, and that was just like right when I realized that I said, "Oh, that's that's her last her character's last name." Good job, Nick. Good job. Yeah. Way to way to go with that Wong. Um, you can't go Wong with a Wong. Heyo. Uh, but no, I I just I don't know. I I really have been enjoying the season. Um, do you think that they knew that that are you? Do you really feel that they knew that the show was going to really end the season, and that they were? 
writing it for that? Like, I'm, like I'm, they always do, or I'm pretty sure they were so, sort of informed. Um, like they had the time to get their affairs in order for a final episode. I'm, I'm fairly certain that if I recall correctly, this that this time they knew for certain that this was going to be the last episode with Comedy Central. Like I remember like when I was hearing interviews and stuff and the, like uh, talking about how they were happy sort of with how it ended and what have you. And so I feel I'm pretty sure that this time they they had the um the knowledge that going in um, to doing the season or at least doing that episode that they they knew that this was gonna be um perhaps the end, but like they said they don't want to make it the end end. So it's not going to end with like all the characters like blowing up or something like that. Like the, the earth isn't going to be destroyed or the earth could be destroyed. Quite frankly, it's a show that takes place in a science fiction future. They could end up living on another planet. They could all move to Mars or what have you. But it, so I, I'm pretty sure they, they know and it, it's going to be in some, cause I mean, if they could, you know, do a sort of finale with uh, the devil's hands are idle play things. I'm sure that in this instance they can, you know, go beyond that with the, the based on the knowledge that they had going into the generation of the episode. Yeah, I I really I I just because I remember I think the last season uh, the finale was and I don't think they aired it in order. I I'm a little off on this, but I remember the episode with Bender becoming the all uh, the on all powerful the all omnipotent uh, impotent. I can't say the word right. I apologize. Omnipotent. Yes, that word that you said well there. Uh, that yeah, Bender became like the 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 giant computer, and uh, he Fry was asking, "Can you just answer me one question since you know everything?" And that is, "Will Fry, will me and Leela end up together?" And and Bender's like, "I'm not going to tell you that." And like that was actually planned to be the original, they because they wouldn't know if they were picked up or not the series finale. So uh, so, what do you think about uh, the big news about Mister Affleck being cast as Batman? Oh, being Batman. Um... Since it's in a Superman movie, I won't be watching it, so I don't really care. <laughs> that's that's one of the better responses I've honestly heard. Uh, I I I'm of the I'm of the opinion. Like, look, I I I'm one of the few people. I grant I didn't get on the internet and bitch about it. Well, I guess I did. I think I'm sure I did on the podcast at one point, but at no point did I sit there and say that motherfucking Heath Ledger. He's going to be a fucking shit Joker. And now I'm just like. Yeah, him and Mark Hamill—they're pretty much the top dog jokers in my, you know, in the in the long line of of people who do the voice of do the voice of Joker or have performed Joker. Uh, matter of fact, I would say they're tied neck and neck. It's just one does one. They're in sort of different types of Jokers, and uh, and and I, I'm sure at one point I was just like, I just don't think Heath Ledger is going to be able to pull it off. He's the one dude that was in Brokeback Mountain, you know did all that. And I, I just can't see that in my head or that he's the kid from, uh, 10 things I hate about you. That's dancing on the football field. I do not see him as the Joker. Um, but, uh, at the end of the day, he completely turned me around. So I, I guess I'm a little bit more, you know, uh, let me see what happens first. I, I'm a little bummed that they're not going to, uh, just have it be a second Superman film by itself. But, um, I take it though you're not a fan of of Superman though. I'm not. I don't really like the superheroes. Superheroes like I'm like I I I watch the Batman movies and I watch the Iron Man movies. I didn't watch Iron Man three because uh, I I steer clear of things that Shane Black's um, hands have uh, been upon. Um, but I, Superman is too 
like powerful and one dimensional would be interesting. So I just, I don't really have any interest in that character or, or what he's up to. I mean, so, uh, like, yeah, I haven't watched like the Thor movie. I have, I mean, like I've watched Captain America, but not Thor. I've watched the Iron Man's. I, I did watch the Avengers cause putting them all together and because they got such, you know, uh, heavy praise uh, heaped upon it and I thought it was good and everything and their take on Thor actually seemed kind of more interesting and more um, reasonable than I had uh, presumed it would be considering the fact that it was a character from you know North mythology it would be like uh, you know it was more like maybe the Disney movie Hercules I don't really know because I haven't seen that and that's the only thing I could think of that involved a lot of sort of gods hanging out um that's so weird that you brought that up. I literally am not kidding. I was up late last night because I couldn't. I I got home. I watched some TV, and like ten minutes into it, I was I was asleep. And this is like at eleven o'clock at night. I was dead asleep. And so I woke up, uh, went upstairs to bed, and I was like, "Well, I need something on the background." And I turned on Netflix, and I won something like not obnoxious. And I and uh, literally one of the things that it, it it suggested to me was Disney's Hercules, and so I watched it. <laughs> Well, James Woods as Hades. James James Woods as Hades. Hey, everybody. You know, yeah, exactly. James Woods as Hades. And little trivia: John Lithgow was originally cast as Hades, but they didn't think that uh, that they could sell the animation with the character, or his voice was completely. It's not at all the same. If you've seen any clip of James Woods as Hades, it's it's like a uh, used car salesman kind of vibe from James Wood. While John Lithgow, I you know probably. Laid it up, you know. The I can't even come close to John Lithgow. He's such an Woods is awesome too, but Lithgow has such a unique voice. Um, that, but yeah, but they apparently he shot like almost all the movie, and they they recasted casted the role to James Woods, which just blows my mind. Um, but yeah, so I so weird you brought that up. I was literally watching, and I'm watching it, dazing off. I'm going like, you know. It probably really should have followed the mythology a little bit better. <laughs> uh, I, I only know it from when it was being used um, sort of to hawk various things at McDonald's back in the day when it came out. And it had a tie-in to a triple cheeseburger because it was like Hercules and he was big and strong or whatever. And they were selling a triple cheeseburger in conjunction. And I feel like they're selling a lot of different sort of like plates or some sort of commemorative bric-a-brac they were being sold being sold i don't and i they have like little quips and they had the characters and they had little quips related to the characters the only one i think i uh, that i recall is the one for hercules which had him saying something like i'm more i'm a real meat and potatoes kind of guy or some sort of uh, nonsense like that i that's all i know about the movie disney's hercules is uh they used to sell triple cheeseburgers and mcdonald's uh which i would which i would eat on the regular uh, at the time, it was, uh, but that's all I know. I haven't seen that particular vehicle, that particular James Wood's vehicle, which combined uh, Greek mythology with the Roman character of Hercules, which was, of course, based on the uh, Greek Heracles. But people know the name Hercules. You don't know the name Heracles. You couldn't sell Heracles. And, uh, well, it sounds like a bad hair product. Heracles. Yeah. Uh, but I could, you know. But to be fair, uh, you know, Roman uh, mythology was just uh, borrowed from Greek mythology because they didn't have the um, sort of interest or um, know-how to sort of create their own sort of uh, intricate sort of religion and storytelling. So they just they're too busy, you know, waging war and conquering civilizations to bother, you know, with. I mean, you don't hear much about. Uh, 
as much about sort of Roman, um, you know, art and poetry as you do, like, you know, Greek art and poetry, even though the Greeks were, you know, from even further in the past and Romans, you don't hear it as much about you. They're in like plays by Shakespeare and movies by Stanley Kubrick. And, uh, that's about it for the Roman empire. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because pretty much, let me ever save you the trouble of ever having to watch it. The idea is is that uh, Zeus and Hera, who are really okay with each other, they have a baby, and it's Hercules. And the 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 three, I forget the uh, the ladies who can tell time by looking at a string and all that stuff. They have the one eyeball or whatever. They can tell the future that when all the stars line up, that Hades will be able to release the Titans and take over Olympus and put his big brother in his place. Well, the only one, but they said, oh, but a warning: if Hercules fights in the and fights in the battle against you, all will be lost. And so his idea is he'll kidnap the baby, feed him this potion, and if he, if he swallows every last drop, he will be human, and then they can kill they can kill him. And his minions, of course, they get everything but the last drop, and then he becomes a demigod because he's like half human, half yes. And I'm just going to like, but didn't, didn't Zeus like hit up some normal human earth girl and 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 Hera hated Her- Hercules? Yeah, if I remember uh, correctly, uh, Heracles was son of Zeus and some human, and then... Uh, he, uh, you know, he was sort of, he was demigod, and like, yeah, I believe Hera sent snakes to like kill him when he was a baby, and that didn't work out. And then he grew up and like killed his wife and kids, and then he had to perform all those labors, and that's sort of the, Herac- the Heracles story. It mostly involves um, like pulling thorns out of paws and fighting like Atlas, maybe, or something. I don't know. The Titans get involved as well, and this, and I don't know, it's a, it's a bunch of, um, mythology and a bunch of bric-a-brac and uh nonsense and what have you but uh and it, it, it they they add another another greek or, or roman myth of uh megasus megarsis or something like that she goes by meg um uh she had a deal with hades uh, uh she sold her soul to protect her her lover and her lover sold her out or something like that or or he uh, betrayed her by dumping her and going with someone else, and so now her soul belonged to Hades, and she had nothing to show for it. You know, typical deal with the devil type of stuff. And uh, and the the Disney spin on it was is that uh, she's working for Hades, and of course uh, she's the bait for Hercules. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's very cookie cutter Disney stuff. And it's actually the movie makes more fun of the idea of uh, athletes. Um, you know, like once he becomes famous, he, he leaves everybody behind and he doesn't care about the things he started to care about, which is he went supposedly if he is a hero in his heart, he will be, he'll become a God. But the problem is, is that he gets all this fame and fortune and it's like, yeah, he gets sponsorship deals, you know, and stuff like that. It's pretty, yeah, but I digress. I'm just disappointed a character named Megasus isn't a mega Pegasus. <laughs> it's a, a gigantic Pegasus going you know, around, flying, being big, and then Hercules could ride this mega Pegasus and like be, I don't know, it'd be like Dumbo and there'd be racist crows hanging out and also like, you know, old Greek gods and all sorts of good stuff like that. That's... If I 
never seen if I see a Pegasus fly. <laughs> oh man, that's that's yeah. That would be I. Uh, oh man, that's that's. I haven't seen Dumbo in a long time, but you're right. There's, there's the racist crows, and they fly around. Oh man. Well, the, to be fair, there's a Simpsons joke that pointed out the the crows aren't racist. The people who drew them were. <laughs> that actually, yeah, that's that's true. There is a there, there is a joke. I I don't know. There's a part of me. I, I it doesn't feel racist, but it felt like it was. Is uh, and I'm familiar with his TV and movie work, but not his stand up. But Zach Galifianakis. Mm-hmm. I watched. There's something on Netflix called Was it the Comedians of Comedy? Yeah, the movie, and then there's the documentary. And I watched the documentary first, thinking I was watching the movie. And uh, the documentary uh, actually featured uh, it was it showed some of their bits, not all not all of their bits, but one of them is Zach Galifianakis was walking around. I think it was Atlanta, and he heard this uh, uh, these four black African Americans uh, doing uh, barbershop doo wop, and uh, he hires them to do his show. And it just – and they don't say anything like wrong, but to me it just felt a little – it was funny as hell, but there was a part of me in the back of my mind is like this feels a little racist, but it, it it's not. It, but it feels a little racist, but pretty much he's doing a bit about how uh, I'm not going to email you no more. I, I've broken up with you. Leave me the fuck alone. Don't stop emailing, stop, stop emailing me. Don't call me. Don't write me. Just stop fucking talking to me. And then he goes, you know what? Fuck this. And he walks off the stage and all of a sudden – the, the the barbershop group comes up and sings, I don't want you to email me no more, no more, no more. And, and so they just sing it, like just a chorus back to the audience that I'm not going to email you, write you, call you no more, that kind of thing. It, 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 it's funny as hell when you're watching it, but I don't know. There's a part of me just feels like, I don't know. Or maybe huh. my own uh, possibly weird, because everyone's, I think, like what, like 10% racist at some point, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know if this, that's a matter of percentages. And I don't know who did this, this study that you're citing here about the percentage of racisms. Well, it was all – it was done in USA Today. There were some really cool collagraph charts showing the percentages of, 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 of people's racism. But uh, well, what other stuff are you working on besides the uh, – the, uh, my brain's down on me here – the ex- existential Excellent. pants? Article and podcast. Well, let's see here. Um, well, it sort of ties into um, essential parachute pants because you can find this thing on uh, uh, a link to it on the, the blog. Um, but um, I a little while ago, it's probably about a month ago now. I because I because I, I do a lot of like script writing and what have you, and um, like you know pilots and spec scripts and what have you. And uh, I was. St- Watching The Simpsons, um, and uh, the, I was watching the second part of the two-part uh, Who Shot Mr. Burns episode. Yeah. And uh, I don't if you recall at the beginning of that episode, um, Smithers is having that dream sequence where he, he think, like it sort of plays off Dallas, where he thinks like he's seeing Mr. Burns in the shower, and then Mr. Burns says it's like 1963, and we're detectives on the hot rod circuit, and then like it becomes like this fake show like Speedway Squad in color and it's like becomes like the like the intro the, the intro titles for a show called Speedway Squad while I was watching that I was in between writing projects I said 
I'm going to write the pilot for Speedway Squad, the show about Mr. Burns and Waylon Smithers as, you know, uh, undercover detectives on the hot rod circuit in the 60s. And then I, 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 I mentioned this on the uh, internet to Bill Oakley, the, who was a former Simpsons writer and was a showrunner of Simpsons season 7, season 8. And he co-wrote the episode with Josh Weinstein. He mentioned something to me that was in the script originally that that wasn't like in that the episode of TV that feeds it. Um, their beatnik mechanic was played by Leonard Nimoy, and his name was Wingnut. And so I included that in the script, and it's a sort of like it's a sort of ironic thing, like because like it's it's the the it's a piece in and of itself, like in the in the skies of like a TV script, and it's, and it's because it's like. I wrote it as if though I was like like a um, it, the like in my head it was like this it was like this was written in the 1980s by a super like macho jingoistic guy who was like really enthused about like Ronald Reagan's presidency and then he wrote like this this script and so like there's a lot of like so it's sort of like an ironic like piece like it's like sort you know it's intentionally sort of a bad sort of over the top script and there's you know jokes I put into like this stage directions and stuff. And so I, I wrote that for, um, you know, the, this Spewey Squad sort of county piece pilot script thing. And I showed it to Bill Oakley and he really enjoyed it. Nice. Uh, and he said, you put it on, put it online. I'll tweet a link to it. And so I put it up on existential parachute pants and he did indeed tweet the link to it, which was um, retweeted by Josh Weinstein, who I didn't even know was on Twitter. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so that's a thing I was working on recently. That was a pretty cool thing, you know, because like obviously I'm like a big fan of those guys and I'm a huge Simpsons fan. And I'm currently actually working on a Simpsons spec just because uh, yeah, I want to. Have, I needed to have an up to date spec because um, like the shows I had specs of either they're no longer on TV or the specs are out of date. Like I, I wrote a new girl spec that I thought was really like good, and I got you know very little use out of it logistically before it became out of date because it was written before um, Jess and Nick sort of got together. Uh, and so then it, it already sort of starts to feel dated. And like I had a 30 rack one that I thought was really strong, but that's not on the air anymore. And um, I had a Parks and Rec one that's really dated. So I figured I'd go with The Simpsons because I was sort of out of shows that are on TV currently that I actually watch and enjoy that I could like write a spec for. And so I went with the Simpsons one, also because I know the show really well, and because I know that if I write a Simpsons spec script, as long as Simpsons is on the air, it'll be like fine because that show doesn't really have a ongoing mythology. Like you know, the episodes are mostly standalone, so I can sort of get away with it. And so that's what I'm I'm working on uh, right now in terms of you know, and it's you know, this show may be like in twenty something odd season, but I was just out of I was just out of shows I could write specs for because it was like. Uh, was I going to wait and see if I liked Brooklyn Nine-Nine or something? I wasn't sure, you know. <laughs> yeah, because and you know, for as much as you like the show, you don't know how long it's going to last on the air anyway. Um, unless it's like right off the gate a huge ratings hit, then you can invest the time and effort to do that. But if not, I mean, you know. Um, yeah. Because I remember last time you were, t- I think you were, you said you wrote a, a psych spec script. I did that, yeah. And, uh, that's that's pretty awesome. That now I I have to ask you. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but like, um, who were your favorite showrunners at, at, during during the Simpsons run, uh, or run even to present day? I, is there a certain group that you really feel that 
just had on a, like a, you know, not any showrunner who does any show will never have a perfect season in terms of the fans. There's going to be some episodes that maybe fall through the cracks um, or, but they, sometimes they might come really, really close. Is there any season with the Simpsons where you feel that the, who are the showrunners and what season that you feel was just almost like almost perfect from start to finish, or maybe was perfect? Well, my favorite two seasons of the Simpsons are season seven and season eight. And those are the seasons that were run by Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein. There's there's the two seasons they did. They had a few spillover episodes in the season nine um, from their run, and there's a few spillover episodes from season six, which were run by Dave Merkin into season seven. But season eight is the best season of The Simpsons. It's top to bottom, but good episodes, a lot of really good episodes, a lot of great episodes. It's it's the the best season um, of the because there's there's been you know a lot of different, but early on there's a lot of different sort of Simpsons showrunners. But since season thirteen. It's been Al Jean by himself running the show, so it sort of uh, has stopped like being a lot of change in showrunners. And Al Jean was a co-showrunner in season three and season four with Mike Reese. So Al Jean has sort of had a um, a large sort of imprint on the show since pretty much the beginning. Because I think he was a writer in season one, and season two, alongside Mike uh, Reese. They're like you know they brilliant partners, became showrunners, left to do the critic. And then Al Jean came back and has been running the show since season thirteen. Cause he took over from Mike Scully, who Mike Scully. Probably, I'd say the I don't know, probably the, actually the most recent Al Jean run has been sort of the, the weakest run, but that's been a long run, and that's through like they've done so many episodes now, it's sort of harder for them. But whereas like Mike Scully, I felt oversaw sort of the um, first dip in the show, um, and it partially you could tell sort of a a change in sort of ethos, uh, comedic ethos, and sort of like because when Mike Scully took over the show, scripts got a lot like sillier and not necessarily in a good way, and and like the sort of reality of the show started to unravel a bit. Like, during his run is when they had the episode where Homer and Bart get the racehorse and they find out that all the jockeys are, like, sort of, like, leprechaun creatures. And that, and so Mike Reese sort of oversaw the first um, sort of issues with the with the show. And so, there, but, yeah, Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, season seven, season eight, those are the two best seasons. And then probably the next two best seasons are um, season five and six, were both Dave Merkin's two seasons. Um, which he, he ran by himself. He had more sort of like, um, he was more interested in sort of like uh, acerbic comedy and like satire and like pointed comedy. So he was like the opposite of um, like Mike Scully. And then like, it was like sort of perfect. And like Bill and Josh, like the sort of perfect m- meeting of like silly and like pointed comedy and sort of created like, you know, the oversaw the best couple of seasons on, on the show. But at a the time they still had like a lot of their best writers still working on the show. Like, um, George Meyer was still there and Josh Schwartzwald was still there. And, uh, a lot of the good guys were still there. Mike Scully was there too. And he was a good writer. Um, and he's still, he's worked on a lot of shows I enjoy. Like he worked on parks and rec and he's worked on other stuff that I can't think of right now. And he's going to be working on that new show dads, which is not something I have any interest in watching. Uh, but, He's you know become like one of those TV lifers, which good for him, you know. Uh, I'm just yeah. curious. I mean, because for me at least, I, I guess one of my, I really like the Mike Reese and, and Al Jean season. But I will, I I will say that when Al Jean returned, I I feel like something was a little off. Um, without Mike doing it with him, I mean, it, some of it was funny. There's some funny stuff in there, but I'm with you. I think at that point, I'm a little. You know, it's a, it's a, granted, it's a longer run, it's a, but to me, it feels a little bit more weak in that regard. Um, I mean, do you, 
because again, I I really love the shit out of the critic. I I I absolutely adore the critic, and I I really loved it. But um, I mean, do you feel like why don't you think Mike came back to the Simpsons? What do you think was he just not invited back to the Simpsons in that regard, or? Uh, I just figured probably they didn't want to do it and he didn't have to do it because the dude's super rich. And, uh, I mean, I don't, and then Mike and then Algene wanted to do it and, like, you know, they're not uh, attached to the hip. I don't know what Mike Reese has been working on necessarily or if he's even really been working on. I mean, he still has a producer credit on the show just from his time working there. Oh, does he really? Uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the guys who worked there for a long time used to be, like, showrunners, like, even now or at least in recent years, like, years after they weren't really working on the show anymore, would still get, like, executive producer credits or, like, not necessarily executive, but they had got producer credits. I mean, they were still getting, like, you know, some money from the show and what have you. I'm trying to, I'm looking at what Mike Reese has been up to, if oh, yeah. anything yeah. recently. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And uh, apparently he's been, um, like, doing some writing on some screenplays and stuff. And he, like, he worked on this. He worked on the Simpsons movie, so there's not really necessarily any sort of... Uh, let's see. When Gene returned to the Simpsons premiere showrunner from season 13, uh, Reese returned part-time as a consultant and producer, flying to Los Angeles one day a week to attend story meetings, contribute to the writing process. So that, maybe that's what he's been doing. I just didn't even have to live in L.A. anymore. And he's still... I mean, like, Bill Oakley doesn't live in L.A. anymore. Either. Bill Oakley lives up in Portland. And uh, is able to still, you know, work in the business occasionally and what have you. So, but when, you know, I mean, when you've been, when you got to run a show like The Simpsons where episodes you, one episode you wrote and two episodes you uh, ran and were a producer on are airing in repeats, you know, constantly. And uh, when you had your own show, you got to create two in a, a network show. I mean, uh, and, you know, DVDs of those sold stuff and they showed on um, replay sometimes as well. Um, yeah, he's probably fine for, you know, he can work on what he wants to work on. If he's not living in L.A. anymore, which is what Wikipedia leads me to believe, then uh, he doesn't, you know, if he, he probably doesn't need the work if he doesn't need to live in L.A. anymore. Um, what's your favorite episode from those two seasons, season seven and, and eight? Um, well, my favorite episode of this show's entire run is from season eight, and that's the Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie show. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's where they where the, he just magically it's them lifting up the animated frame through the he gets abducted by aliens or something like that. He goes back to his home planet. He goes back to his home planet. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. You gotta love The Simpsons. Uh, well, besides uh, 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 existential parachute pants, a um, '90s pop culture podcast, and the articles, is there anything else that you've been working on? You want to throw out there, plug real quick, or? Um, well, let's see. I mean, I do a lot of various writing of things on the internet. A lot of it's really the sports, what have you. But so for that, you can just follow my Twitter, which is uh, uh, at Chris X Morgan. And so, like, if I do anything, it's on the internet. I, you know, the, the link will end up there. And um, Existential Parachute Pants has a Twitter account as well, um, which is at Existential Pant, just the singular pant because Existential Pants was too long. Um, 
And so if you don't want to deal with my various uh, nonsense on Twitter and you just want to know what's going on with the, uh, with the website and with the, the blog and the podcast, then you can just follow that. And that's pretty much all just links to things I write on the blog, which I update daily. Uh, with either a blog post or with a, uh, a podcast episode. The podcast episodes, have we've been dropping them on Saturdays. So uh, episode six will be coming out this uh, upcoming Saturday. Um, uh, just a little teaser, that episode, because each episode of the podcast is about a specific aspect of 90s pop culture. Uh, and this particular episode is about the episode of Saved by the Bell, where Jesse gets addicted to caffeine pills. And so... That's and and uh, Seth was saw it for the first time uh, before we recorded this episode, so it was all fresh and brand new to him as an adult man. And so that's what the next episode is on. And you know, I just keep doing that. But yeah, I so that, seen that shit forever. Like I, 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 oh wow! Like right when you said it, I was like, oh yeah, that's a thing that really happened. That they did caffeine pills, and oh man, like Jesus, I. See, like I, like the my, the last thing image I have of Saved by the Bell is the college years. Even though I mm. watched that show every Saturday morning, the original Saved by the Bell, I would watch that show every Saturday morning, and uh, uh, you know, I'd see you know Zach and Kelly and Slater and, and all of them, and I, uh, uh, was Je- oh, it Jessica? No, who was who was Elizabeth Berkeley's character? Jesse. Jesse. Jesse Kelly. Who was the other one? Lisa Turtle. Lisa Turtle. There you go. See? And then you had Screech and, and Mr. Belding. And mm-hmm. uh, oh, and for those who were with, who who were there at the show at the very beginning, who was the teacher who was eventually technically replaced in terms of the adult role by Mr. Belding? What was her name? Well, I presume you're talking about um, Saved by the Bell in the, middle, the junior high years, a.k.a. Good Morning, Mrs. Bliss. Yes, Miss Bliss. There you go. Who was played by the girl from the Parent Trap? Trap. Haley Mills. Exactly it. I see. I didn't know. I I got on a weird wiki. You know, because this is how things work on the internet. You get you find something cool, you check it out on the internet, and then you, it's like it's you just follow the links. And I knew Miss uh, Miss Bliss was on. You know, Haley Mills was on the show, but I saw that via reruns when it, when it was just when they renamed it Saved by the Bell. And Miss Bliss was in a lot of episodes, and then I started seeing Mr. Belding uh, pretty much take over the show. Miss Bliss would show up maybe once or twice a whole season, or something like that, and then she just never came back. And I, I just and I followed it online. And I was like, yeah, they renamed it Saved by the Bell in reruns, and originally this was like prime time show. <laughs> and I'm just like, are you fucking? Oh my god, my mind was blown completely blown i because i knew Haley mills was on the show but really Haley mills was the star of the show and the kids were all supposed to be the they're supposed to be kind of like welcome back cotter a new day welcome back cotter is the way that wikipedia never distinctly says that but that's how it sort of comes off is that it was supposed to be like that and it did not uh that's awesome man and and so it, you check out it's uh that episode will drop and we'll see what seth uh, as you said so eloquently, as a grown grown ass man, well, you didn't say ass. That's me. I didn't know. A grown man. What did he have? What did what are his thoughts on the Saved by the Bell caffeine pills episode? And because uh, shit, I'm actually sort of intrigued by that myself. Chris, mm-hmm. thanks for stopping by on the show, man. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me. 
Go away! We're having a good time until you start up, cheapers! Go have some coffee with cream or something! Because I'll tell you something! This is a happy place! What the fuck am I supposed to say? <laughs> what song is that?